Welcome to another episode of the Worklife Podcast. To find out more about the Worklife Hub and to listen to other episodes, please go to www.worklifehub.com. Welcome to another episode of the Worklife Hub Podcast. I am your host, Agnes Uheretsky. If this is the first time that you are tuning in, let me just say a few words about this podcast. We speak to authors, researchers, business thought leaders, for them to share their knowledge and insight on work-life balance, leadership, culture change and organizational development. In our work at the Worklife Hub, we help companies reform their workplace to create a culture that embraces diversity and work-life balance. We are passionate about building vibrant and engaging workplaces that are great for employees and customers. If you would like to get in touch with us, you can do this via Twitter at WorkLifeHub, on our LinkedIn page or on our website. We're always happy to hear how you like the podcast or any other ideas that you would like to share with us. And now, on with the show. Welcome to the listeners of the Work Life Podcast and a big warm welcome to Willem Adema, who uh, is very kindly hosting me today in his office to record this podcast. Uh, Willem is Senior Economist in the Social Policy Division at the OECD. He's responsible for the OECD Gender Initiative um, project manager and of course he's the editor of Babies and Bosses which is the bible for ev- anybody who who starts out or wants to get a grip on work-life balance and reconciling work and family issues. Um, Willem holds a doctorate from the University of Oxford and he leads the work on the family and children policies, child well-being and the doing better for families publications. So thank you very much Willem for taking the time. My pleasure. So maybe after this brief introduction, may I ask you to tell listeners a little bit about your work, about your priorities and and what uh, drives you still after so many years at the OECD and working on these policy recommendations? Ooh, um, that's that's a long question with 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 many different possible answers. Um, The OECD Mm -hmm. is a a very interesting club to work for uh, because you run into so many different countries, so many different cultures and so many different perspectives. And you always uh, think, oh, I never thought about it like that. And uh, on a regular occasion, you have that experience. And it's for me as a Dutchman, it's quite interesting to go to Korea and deal with a, a rather different mindset and culture uh, than what I would be used to in, in Rotterdam, the Netherlands, where I grew up. Uh, in many ways, issues, uh, people people want the best for their children at the same time they want to um, and, and, and care for them personally, but at the same time they want to provide for them. So they have to make money and they want to combine the two and that challenge is, is different uh, and difficult in, in many, many OECD countries. Um, looking at that is interesting uh, and it's helpful. To to um, to other uh, people and to open some perspectives. In recent work on on the gender initiative, uh, I mean, apart from the whole moral imperative, uh, we just came from the down to earth, mundane sort of economic approach and say, listen, you know, 
not having gender equality in the labor market actually costs a lot. Hmm. There are huge drawbacks to that. Let's point those out and let's see how we can improve that. So, I mean, you know, and, and if, if that has an impact on policy, um, on policy either in terms of quality of formal care or in terms of um, leave or flexible workplace opportunities for parents, um, then I'm happy. If, if, if you accomplish some progress in that area, uh, that would be great. Excellent. So um, maybe zooming in, because of course this whole issue is very vast. I mean, we could be speaking about all the different um, uh, employment, social and and other uh, aspects of work-life balance. But maybe we will focus today's podcast on a couple of issues and also just mentioning to listeners that there's a new gender uh, portal or website of the OECD where you have collected all of the relevant publications and, and policy documents and recommendations as well. Now, for uh, 2016 uh, International Women's Day, there's been a publication on the take-up of parental leave by fathers and a policy brief, which is very, very interesting. And and I, I specifically want to highlight one sentence you, you mentioned there, which is only the bravest and the most committed <laughs> men are taking this. But, um, Willem, how are OECD countries doing on this? Uh, do you still see a big difference between the most advanced and those laggard countries? And and um, then I'll ask you maybe some other questions yeah. about this. Um, there are huge differences in OECD countries. And um, these are probably also related to to what drives policymakers as to why they're doing what they're doing. Um, if you if you look at family policy, there are there are a couple of headings, there are, uh, you know, pol- broad policy objectives. One is uh, enhancing child well-being, child development. Another uh, one is fighting child and family pov- poverty. Another one is uh, allowing uh, parents to have the number of children that they like at the time of their choosing. Another one is. Uh, allow parents to participate in the in the workforce, and another one is gender equality, and all these policy objectives feature uh, in different emphases across countries. Um, so, if you look at the Nordic model, um, they are very used over the last 40, 50 years of having that gender equality perspective mm. in their policy as well as child well-being and child development. I mean, it's, it's, it's not just gender. Um, so they, over the years, have developed systems which generally support um, father's leave. And also when you look at, uh, at attitude surveys, when they ask uh, respondents on their acceptance or who they think should be taking leave, uh, then countries like Sweden and Iceland score well uh, when it comes to oh, both fathers and mothers should take leave. Whereas more conservative countries, still a uh, large majority of the people think that leave should predominantly be taken by the mother. But in other countries, this is less so. But there is a growing realization that if you want uh, women who these days 
on average, have a higher level of educational attainment. Younger women have a higher level of educational attainment than younger men. If you want them to bring in also into the economy, um, which makes perfect sense, otherwise it would be a, a wasteful um, uh, use of, of investment in human capital, um, then men have a role to play. Then men should not be working 40 to 60 hours per week, uh, but there should be a better sharing of paid and unpaid work within families. So um, there, there's also the economic argument. And that idea that gender equality also depends on men uh, then gives governments a lever, a, a direct policy lever, to um, influence behavior. And influencing men's behavior is probably most effective when they just become father. Hmm. Uh, that is, then you can actually set the change or you might be more successful in changing behavior than let's say among men who already have a 10-year-old child. Hmm. Um, so for that reason, uh, there is a change in um, um, uh, father's leave and many countries have extended father's leave and now reserve or provide financial incentives um, for fathers. And in across the OECD, in about 10 countries, you have eight weeks or more. Now, the other thing is <clears throat> Japan and Korea, which are not normally seen as the most progressive in these, have the longest individual entitlements for fathers. And that is strongly related to another um, a family policy objective, which I haven't discussed yet, but these countries have very low fertility rates, uh, are very concerned about the demographic trends concerning their countries, uh, are not very used to large numbers of migrants. So migration is not necessarily seen as a huge part of the answer to the population challenge. Um, so they all of a sudden have realized, right, we have to do something which makes it more uh, easy for our young qualified women to stay in the labor force. And that's fathers taking leave. However, the fathers do not take leave because they think it's curtains uh, for their careers if they do. And that's where leadership, workplace cultures are so important. I mean, many Korean men, when asked... Um, why don't you take father's leave? There's an income issue because uh, the replacement rate is um, is 40%. Uh, there is, uh, the other answer is, uh, oh, that will be bad for my colleagues. Yeah. Uh, people worried about the increased workload of their colleagues. Mm. And that's that ruins my career. Which in these countries is actually um, probably even more true than in some European countries because their labor force systems are very, and, and the career progression you make is very seniority based. Mm. So if you drop out, then you automatically lose your par with, with your, your peers. And if your, competi your competitors for, for top jobs don't take leave and continue to work 70 hours per week or whatever it is, uh, you lo you've lost your competitive edge. Yeah, and, and and I think some of these countries 
have an even stronger ideal worker model and you know some also argue that um, what is interesting is that uh, for men they have this they have to fit this ideal worker breadwinner provider for their families um, model and then women have to fit into this ideal mother wife homemaker model but at the same time if they also enter the labor market then they have then this other mold they have to fit in which is also the ideal worker mold um, but we don't have for men this other side of the coin of their ideal father kind of mold right it's, it's not so much pressured by society or societal norms that they should be involved dads and I mean, it's very hard to say. I mean, what is obvious is that um, parents in Korea and Japan equally invest in, in their children, regardless of whether it concerns a boy or concerns a girl. I mean, mm. the amount of investment uh, in children, regardless of their sex, is, is the same. There is no uh, idea of, oh, we don't know, we have a girl, so we don't put any money in her. That, mm. that, that's just not true. Um, so, when it comes to education, and of course, there's still more young women choose uh, areas of education like like health and welfare and education itself, whereas men are overrepresented among engineers and computers. But when it comes to pursuing secondary and tertiary education, girls are more successful than than boys. Mm. So. There's not much inequality at that level. And then when the school-to-work transition or the university-to-work transition mm. takes place, it all goes wrong. Mm. Because the, the labour market is still, as you said, around this old-fashioned model. Because men go to work, they work 40 hours, yes, but they work, un- they work a lot of overtime, they socialise with their colleagues mm. after work. It's a long day. Yeah. Yes, and, and women are almost encouraged to not go for those jobs, those demanding careers, because what if you will have children later, you need to be present for your child. So a lot of the skills mismatches also when women with high degrees then go into teaching or others which are perceived as careers that offer a lot more time for your family. Whereas if they would go for the bigger jobs, mm-hmm. they would have more resources to actually maybe pay for or outsource some of the household or childcare. And yeah, I, I think that at a level in Korean society, there is, and in Japanese society, there is a realization of this. The change, to put this into practice, to mm. change workplace cultures, uh, takes longer. Yeah. But there is a, a growing realization, there is a growing debate about these issues. The fact of the matter that they've introduced a year long of uh, paid individual entitlement for fathers to leave is amazing. Yeah. It just reflects uh, the policy signal that policymakers would like to give. Mm. Um, now, you mentioned also, um, so we've tackled a little bit what I wanted about, you know, uh, the the benchmarks between countries because of course every time someone asks about so what would be a good country for family we always point our fingers to the Scandinavian countries but you have so many countries here in the OECD and of course you see their evolution so 
which other country you would maybe highlight as as a, as one that has really taken a lot of steps now and is going in the right direction. I mean, you just mentioned now Japan, Korea, but what other country that comes to mind which could be maybe highlighted for doing something good for families or mm -hmm. working parents? Well, in a, another country which comes to mind is Germany. Mm. Um, when I first did the Babies and Bosses reviews uh, in the early 2000s, we were really wanting to get the German government on board. We wanted to study Germany. I mean, it's an important country and we wanted to have the, the German-speaking, German culture perspective in, in, in the review series, um, which we did get because we include Austria, but of course Germany was... Mm. We could not um, get the German authorities to agree on that, and this is the early 2000s. Mm. Um, but later on, they changed their tune completely. And since the mid 2000s, 2006, 2007, there's been a, a complete policy change in, in Germany towards supporting uh, work and family life. So whereas in the past, um, women with a young child, mothers with a young child, uh, in work would be regarded as a Rabenmutter, yeah. uh, which is a very derogatory term. Um, this is no longer the case. Uh, in fact, a lot of mothers with young children work part-time, mm. but it's a complete, uh, it's, a, it's an important change with, mm. with the past. Uh, and you can see the same thing in attitudes. Rather, when, when surveys uh, ask this question, uh, what do you think about should mothers with young children be in work? Then, more so than in the past, the answer is yes. Although, a uh, large number of the respondents favours part-time work rather than full-time work. Mm. So there's a change there. Um, they have uh, changed their parental leave system. It used to be very long. Mm. Now you have a choice. You can uh, go back to work after a year, and the system is earnings-related rather than a a flat rate payment and a lot of women uh, go back to work earlier than they Usually. would have done in the past mm. because uh, they take the shorter option of one year at the same time there is a option for men for the partners to uh, take two months uh, paid at all and um, nowadays about one-third of the fathers do so uh, they use paid parental leave and quite a few, about 50-60% do so for, for about two months. Mm. So there is a, yeah, I mean, you know, I, we wrote an email to Germany the other day and we got a response back saying I'm coming back from parental leave in June and you think like, wow, this would not have happened in, in Germany 10 years ago. Um, and this was given the name, uh, clearly a male um, respondent. So. Um, that's great. That's, that, that is a complete change and they have changed the system again in 2015 and whether that works is of course too early to tell. To facilitate a combination of part-time work uh, with leave-taking up to uh, the age of two of the child. So they, 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 are, they are working on this. They, uh, the uh, avowed policy objective is to give more time to families with each other, um, which implies that mothers could 
potentially work more in the labor market than they did in the past. Fathers uh, would then work fewer hours, and so there you've got that link again between paid and unpaid work. But they have made a lot of changes apart from the investment in, in the childcare system mm. as well. Um, there is a guarantee. I'm not quite sure that that works in 400% uh, of the cases yet, but they're clearly working towards that. Uh, there, are, there are still things, outstanding issues. Uh, the tax benefit system does not, is still one of the few in, in uh, OECD which doesn't provide this, the second earners with the same sort of financial incentives to work as, as the primary earners in couple households. Mm. Um, there are uh, issues around out-of-school house care. But if you compare the current German situation with, let's say, 10 years ago, then great, great progress has been made. And, uh, yeah, whether that is expected or unexpected, I don't know. But, I mean, it's, it's, it's fairly obvious. And Germany has such a strong impact on other European countries. I think it's, it. I mean, I know that Austria took over this uh, parental part-time, and then also Hungary has taken over from Austria. So it, there is a bit of a ripple effect, I think. There is a, a bit of a ripple effect. Whether that also is reflected in, in the use is, is different. Because, I mean, um, and this is why the, the Nordic countries are often a benchmark. It is not just about parental leave, or it is not just about childcare. It is, in these countries, the continuum of support. Mm. It doesn't stop uh, when childcare, when parental leave runs out. Um, uh, the aim is to provide a period of parental leave, and and that differs. You know, Denmark provides. Uh, one year of paid leave, whereas in Finland this can be up to three. So there are, there are clear differences between mm. Nordic countries. It's not a, a single, uh, a single bunch. There, yeah. are, there, there, are, uh, there are different uh, characteristics in the systems. Uh, but the objective of providing a continuum of support is there. So once parental leave runs out, children should go to the kindergarten or to uh, to, to, to the pedagogue or, yeah. or you know uh, and that then is followed by uh, by school which starts at age seven and by in in Denmark and Sweden at least 80 um, percent of the kids of primary school age uh, seven eight nine and ten um, attend out of school house care services mm. so there you know, if you're a parent in, in, in a system like that, there are all sorts of supports available yeah. which are not necessarily there in Hungary or yeah. the Netherlands or Portugal. Yeah, what, what I always uh, say is that families always have a patchwork of support they rely on. Because, you know, one system alone is not going to cater for every need. So you have the leaves, you have the formal childcare, but you also have grandparents if you're living in the vicinity, you have maybe a nanny or a migrant carer, you have a ki all kinds of different, but probably what you just said is, is in the Nordic countries, there is a reliability on the statutory or state offered good quality services, which covers maybe 
70% of your needs and then for 30 or 20%, I'm just totally making yeah. up this yeah. number, yeah. you can then juggle with your spouse, flexible work, um, working from home or a nanny, whatever. Yeah. But if, if in the other countries, if it's 80% that you have to cover from your own resources, from your own money, from your own family, and they're unreliable because, of course, there's not such yeah. a continuum, that's, that's, I think, when families get in trouble. Well, yeah, I mean, and, uh, there is a, there's a difference in, in the amount of patchwork, so yeah. to speak, which is covered by the public system. Yeah. And that is smallest in, in, in Nordic countries. Yeah. Uh, it, it, doesn't, it isn't perfect. I mean, yeah. uh, in terms of gender equality, for example, um, gender pay gaps in, in Sweden are stubbornly strong because mm. women uh, often uh, still work in the public sector and men still work in the higher... Uh, paid private sector yeah. so and and what happens is that men often fathers often bring the kids to um, preschool and mothers pick them up mm. and preschool is for 30 hours per week in Sweden so the mothers would would be the first to leave work yeah. uh, or, or, or they would also go later but their working hours are, are often shorter than than, than for, for the fathers. So some differences are hard to, 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 to change, uh, but it's no longer a, a one male single breadwinner model, it, but mm. in, as in many other countries, um, it is the male is still in many families the main breadwinner, mm. but the, the contribution by women in, in Sweden uh, is much greater than let's say in, in Germany now mm. uh, or in the Netherlands where a lot of women in, in couple families work part-time. Mm. Um, there's a new book out uh, in the US um, uh, by Heather Boucher on uh, finding time and, and she's making the argument for their paid fa- statutory paid family leave and, and in one of her essays that she wrote about this family support needs is she writes that this this is no not a pie in the sky you know we know exactly all the what you said the policy levers everything we know we know the research shows we know what families need what young parents need but what older families need for their care uh, uh, to cover their care needs but if i could ask you willem and here we're coming to the last question of this podcast what is for you the one or the first or the most important policy advice that you would give to any government to, to start with or, or get that right, at least for families? What would that be? Well, that, that's a tough question because the, the basic situation is so different across countries. In terms of policy, the, the, the differences between, let's say, Denmark and, and the US are enormous. Mm. Um, so when, when you would ask me this question in the US, I would say, right, uh, let's make a start uh, with investing in kids very early. Mm. And uh, it's, it's the only country in the OCD without paid maternity leave. So let, let's start with that. And we, we, we studied, uh, we actually released a study on that late November last year. And uh, there is paid leave in certain states, California, which yeah. for Dutchman is a big country because there's <laughs> 30, 40 million people there. So, I mean, that, that's a big place. They have paid leave. Um, uh, New Jersey, 
yeah. next next door to uh, to New York, uh, Rhode Island, but um, it, it's not on a national basis, and that that could be really helpful. Then again, this is America. There's a very strong uh, tradition of developing policies uh, at a local level, mm-hmm. uh, so it's always you always have to be very bit careful as a as a as a foreigner as a outsider to just barge in but that would still be mm. my first uh, priority in that respect in other countries i mean if we take germany um uh, great change in the parental leave department in many countries uh, there is no system yet uh, for paid leave for fathers for let's say two months mm. two or three months uh, many countries, including my own, can make progress on that. Um, so that, in many many cases, is a is a direct lever that governments have mm. to try and influence uh, behavior in the workplace. Um, in other countries, out of school hours care is in very short supply. So it, it really, really varies. It's a, it's a tough question which, um, um, you know, gets, gets a different answer in, in different countries. For the countries like Korea and Japan, they have changed, made a lot of change with their social policies, with their leave policies, with their childcare policies. But their workplace culture mm. is still uh, very much oriented uh, along the notion of, of a male breadwinner, mm-hmm. a single male breadwinner. So there it is, the wo- workplace culture. So it, it's it's a very simple question, but the answer is rather complicated. And especially, I think, for you, because you have your eyes on all these countries and you've been following them for so long. So you almost have too much knowledge already to answer <laughs> such a simple question in a simple way. But I really appreciate you giving us still a bit of some of the pointers and Thank you so much for taking your time to sit down with me here and record this podcast. No, no problems. I enjoyed it. Thank you very much.